0: Thanks for checking out the First Baptist Big Spring podcast. Today is Pastor Mark's sermon continuing in his series from the Book of Acts. Hope you enjoy. Thank you, Ryan. I love hearing you play the piano. You know that, don't you? In fact, I think I just need to invite you over to the house sometime and play the piano for me. With that Ryan, said so Ryan and Pam are, are precious folk in our church. But you have your Bibles open to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8 and verses 26 through 40. All summer long, we have been walking through the book of Acts, watching as Jesus establishes church and then builds his church. The church started with 120 people praying in an upstairs room. And then on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 4 tells us the number of believers at that time had grown to 5,000, not counting women and children. And then at the end of his book, in Acts chapter uh, 21, verse 20... Luke describes the new church as consisting of myriads of people, which simply means too many to count, from 120 to 3,000 to 5,000 to more than he could count. It's an amazing testimony of the early church. But what we fail to remember oftentimes in those myriads of people, each one of them had a name. Each man, woman, and child mattered to God. I was reading of a man who was conducting a survey, knocked on a door, and then this young boy answered. And so... He asked this young boy the question, how many people are in your family? And that young boy said, well, there's Ben, and there's Billy, and there's Martha, and there's Sophie, and there's Bobby. And, 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 and the man at the door said, now, wait a minute. Just tell me the numbers. And that little boy responded by saying, he said, there are no numbers in this house. They are all names to me. <laughs> you see, in, in God's house, in God's family, there are no numbers. They're just names. Names of people who have placed their faith and trust in the work of Jesus Christ as Savior. You know, the, the world does a great job as making us all feel like numbers. You and I have something in common. Now, there may be a few things in common, but as American citizens, we have one thing in common. We all have been assigned a nine-digit number. It's called Social Security number. And when I do my income taxes every year and it is received by the Internal Revenue Service, they do not look to see if Mark Lindsay uh, paid his taxes that year. They look to see if that nine-digit number... Pays taxes all year. No, the government treats us like a number. Tomorrow morning, I report for jury duty at 9 a.m. I'm number 212 on the list. They're not going to call out my name. They're going to call out number one, number two, and eventually 212. Last Sunday, I was eating over at uh, Hibachi Grill. And after I placed my order and I paid for my food, the clerk behind the counter gave to me a plastic card with a number 52. And she said this to me. She said, you are number 52. I nearly wanted to say, excuse me, I do have a name. You know? Once again, just another number. But I want you to understand and be assured that in God's economy, in God's eyes, you are not just another number. You are precious to him. God has an interest in you personally, not because of what he wants to get out of you, but what he wants to give to you. And that is eternal life. In Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40, God used a man named Philip to let a lonely foreigner know that God loved him. And that he mattered to God. And the whole crux of the message is this. Jesus wants to use you and me as well to show other people how they are important God. So when you walk out these doors, I want you to understand the people you meet this week at school or in the workplace or at Walmart, they are not just numbers to God, but they are people who are precious in his sight because they too, like you, are created in his image. But it may be for someone or someones today in this place, you need to be reminded and you need to know that you matter to God. And that God loves you. Let's go to this story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip is the pastor of the church church in Samaria and he gets called away from the church his ministry of the church to focus on one person you know many of us like to just be involved in in the work and and we have our responsibilities but yet there are individuals who need to know that God loves them so Acts chapter 8 beginning with verse 26 we're told now an angel of the Lord said to Philip Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, who is the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is a passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. If you want to cross references, Isaiah chapter 53 and verses 7 and 8. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of this, of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And then the eunuch asked Philip, he said, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Acts chapter 8 tells about the work of Philip as pastor of this church in Samaria. This church had grown. Was it a thousand? Was it two thousand? We do not know, but it was a large church. And Philip was about his pastoral duties. He was about the work and the ministry of the church there in Samaria. And things were happening. This church was growing. The church was reaching out. People were being saved through their ministries. The Jews had the Word. The Samaritans had the Word. And now God was about to take the Word to the ends of the earth. And here is Philip, busy about his everyday business, but God removes him from it to go to this man in the desert, in the wilderness, to explain to him the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, he was taking Philip from a city-wide campaign to a single sinner in the desert. He was taking Philip from a large ministry to one individual who mattered to God. I cannot presume upon Philip's life before this account that he had with this Ethiopian eunuch. But it is a reminder to me. That we as God's people, especially as those who are called to work in the ministry of the church, that we as God's people can get so wrapped up with the day-to-day issues, so wrapped up with all the things that we are expected to do, that we want to do, and get so caught up in the work that we fail to remember. There are individuals who are seeking after Christ who needs someone like you, someone like me, to leave the ordinary, everyday things and just go to one. And to seek out the one. See, God does not view people as just an insignificant number. Each soul is precious to him. This Ethiopian had made his way all the way to Jerusalem, and it must have been a terrible trip for him. I mean, he was a wealthy man, but by the time he got to Jerusalem, his black skin must have caught people's eyes. Now, I'm not sure if it was, there's prejudice there as there is now in many parts of our nation. But yet, I know he had people talking about him behind his back. I know he probably heard stories or jokes made about him because of who he was. And, and but, but you would think that when you got into the church, that all of that would stop. He was a black man, but he was also a eunuch. And eunuchs, according to Jewish law were unclean people. That meant they had no right to become a full-fledged Jew. They could go near the temple, but they could not enter through the gates to go in to the temple. And so you think about this man who had traveled many miles and he came to learn about the triune God, but the closest he could get to the church Was to the door. Now friends I hope you understand as well as I do. That the door to the church today has become a barrier to many. Those who are are unclean in our sight. Often hear only from us on this side of the door. Everything we are against. All the troubles and travails of what's going on in our society and they're standing outside the door and that's what they hear from us inside the door. And rarely do they hear us convey to them how precious they are in God's sight. Rarely do they hear us convey to them they matter to God. So the doors become a barrier. How could God love me if they cannot love me? The Bible tells us in Ephesians, in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. And basically what that means is do not compromise the truth, but yet your, let your speech to them be with grace, to bring grace and to show love to them. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. For instance, Christians, our words, our speech ought to be a bridge and not a barrier. We as Christians must never be about the business of shutting the doors to the church and to the kingdom of God. But we as God's people must be about the business of opening The door. See, Steve Gaines, a pastor in Tennessee, said, God loves everyone the same. Christ died for the sins of everyone. Every person is equal to all others because God created each of us in His image. Red and yellow, black and white, we are precious. In his sight. See, you matter to God. But this Ethiopian eunuch did not have that kind of experience. The Jews treated him much like a nameless number. And he was seeking to know more about this God he had somehow heard something about. And so he brought with him a scroll, a, a Bible. It's almost as if he, he went to the marketplace and found, found a, a Bible and bought it and he wanted to read about it. But it was a scroll. So he, he, he had a copy of the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, but he could not understand it. Do you know there are people around you who are seeking It may not seem like it on the outside. You may not realize it at first. But God will put you into the pathway of people who are seeking to know more about this God you say you love. And here's Philip. This busy pastor, he had places to go Things to do, people to see, and his schedule was filled for the day with all of his church work. But God took him out of all that and placed him right in the midst of what God was doing in the life of this one foreign man. And he took him out of his own element and put him on a highway out in the desert that would lead to Gaza. Gaza. And he said, Philip, I want you to go near that chariot. I just want you to stay by it. You, you notice he didn't tell Philip to go and climb up into the chariot and begin to preach him a sermon. He said, Philip, I, I want you to go near there. And Philip did. And in that nearness, he recognized what was taking place that this man was reading from the scroll of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 53. And so Philip just simply asked him a question. He said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch said, I cannot understand what these words mean. Who is the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself? He's talking about somebody else. And that gave Philip the opening, the opportunity to take what this man had been reading and to use it as a starting point to speak about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he took where the man was and began to tell him about the love of God and Jesus being the Son of God. He talked about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He talked about repentance and baptism. And through Philip's witness, the Holy Spirit poured into this Ethiopian guy. And this man who felt like a nameless number in Jerusalem realized he mattered to God. And Philip became a bridge, not a door. The door that had been shut to him now had been kicked open. And as Philip opened the door, the Ethiopian entered into eternal life. Do you realize you're not just a number to God? God loved you enough not to save you in, in the midst of a crowd. He not put five more people around you or ten or a hundred or a thousand more people and say, I just give salvation to all of you. But yet he loved you enough that he put a Philip or many Philips within your life to come alongside of you. That may have been a coach. It may have been a parent. It could have been a friend. It could have been a, a preacher. It could have been a stranger. But he put many fillets alongside of you, who became a bridge for you to walk over through to an open door so you could have faith in Jesus Christ. Who has opened the door who opened the door for you to know Christ as Savior? I entrusted my life to Jesus Christ as Savior when I was nine years old. Arkadelphia, Arkansas. And and I was baptized in the First Baptist Church of Arkadelphia, Arkansas. But then the church kind of dropped me. I I was involved in royal ambassadors. And I can tell you the most I remember about First Baptist Church, Arkadelphia, Arkansas, other than my baptism, is being a nine-year-old kid... Playing football out on the lawn of the church with some older kids and they gave me the ball and I ran to the line and I knocked myself out. And they said I couldn't play football with them anymore. I don't remember anything about Sunday school. I don't remember anything about the preacher or the whoever on staff to come to my house and say, hey, hey, let me show you now that you're a Christian what that means. It wasn't until I was 15, living in Brownwood, Texas. My brother was at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary at the time, and he would come to Brownwood every weekend because he was pastoring two churches at the same time. He would preach at one church on the first and third Sundays of the month, and the other church on the second and fourth Sundays of the month. And so for a while, John came home every weekend. And John began to teach me about Jesus. He began to show me how to pray. He began to show me how to read the Bible. He began to show me how to tell others about Jesus Christ. He began to show me how to love the church. He began to show me how to have godly, make godly decisions. And my brother, John, was a Philip God placed alongside my life. My brother literally got up into my chariot and told me about Jesus. See, at the age of nine, I knew eternally I mattered to Christ. But then finally, at the age of fifteen... I learned that I still matter to God every single day of my life. I read of a woman in church who had never been married. And she expressed to her pastor her impatience of ever finding a man. (laughs) And the pastor said to her, said, this is God's plan. The Bible says one man for one woman... One woman for one man. That is God's plan, and you cannot improve on it. And, and she responded by saying, Lord have mercy, preacher. I'm not trying to improve on it, I'm just trying to get in on it. You <laughs> See, you cannot improve on God's plan for people to know how they matter to God, how much they matter to God. He just wants you to get in on it. Open your eyes for ways to share your faith this week. It might not be as obvious as walking into Walmart and there's a person sitting on the bench outside of Walmart with an open Bible to Isaiah 53 and ask, say, hey, can you explain this to me? But there will be plenty of opportunities this week for you to get in on God's plan. The opportunity might come in the form of someone asking you as a Christian about a certain movie or a certain book. And you can tell them about the Scriptures, the Bible, the book of books, which contains absolute truth. And you can start from that point and say, let me tell you what I believe. It may come in the form of someone wondering why so many bad things and evil people Or in this world. And give you a chance to tell them this life is not all there is. And to give them to them your story of how Jesus Christ came into your life. And you have been promised as a child of God a place called heaven. A place where there is no evil. A place where there are no bad people. A place where there is only a great God who knows you by name. It might be someone like this eunuch who does not feel very special, feeling as if they're only a number in this world, and it'll give you a chance to tell them how valuable and dearly loved they are by God. That you're valuable enough and you matter enough to him that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have life everlasting. And that his son who gave his sinless life upon the cross of Calvary to shed his blood as payment for your sin. his son who died but was resurrected and overcame death, physical death and even the spiritual death. And I'll give you an opportunity to start from where they are. To say, hey, I I know you don't feel like anybody cares, but I do. And there's a God who cares enough about you. See, perhaps we need to learn to see people as God sees us. Not as a nine-digit number, but as a soul bought back from sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. To whom can you take life in your city this week? To whom can you let them know they matter to God? Watch for the opportunities to come alongside of them. I believe you are here today because someone has come alongside of you. And it may be you've heard the words they've said. It may be you are here because they've encouraged you to, to seek out the truth. And you are truly seeking God and truly seeking what life really means uh, uh, with Christ. But you just feel as if you're a number. You're just one of the masses. Nobody knows me. Nobody cares what would happen to me. I'm just here. He knows your name. He knows your every thought. He knows each tear that falls. He knows when you cry out to Him. You matter to God. You matter to God. And what should be your response? That you would look to Him and you begin to walk your life in His ways, as by faith you allow Him to come and to cleanse you and to save you. You matter to God. Father, I'm thankful today that we can come into this place Fully aware that you love us. Father, some of us have truly been struggling with that. Things have happened in the, in the past. Something has happened to us. We're struggling to understand what life is all about. Maybe struggling financially or emotionally. Father, we're struggling with, with knowing what to do next. And we feel all alone. Just like a number. But Father, today, you have told us you love us. And we matter to you. Lord, there are people who have been seeking after you and and perhaps haven't gotten as far as even the door of the church, but now they're listening. And Father, they want to be a part of your forever family. Lord, for those who are seeking. After you, may they today take that first step into your family and that first step of faith and trust your love for them. Father, many of your children have come into this room today and thinking they're just a number. Thinking that even if they never came back, that no one would even miss them. Thinking that they are not in a position for you to love them as fully as you want to love them. Because of sin or issues. But Father, you've reminded us. As your children, you love us and will always love us. You will never quit loving us. And that we matter to you. Lord, open our eyes to be able to see the people who are searching for you and just come alongside of them and to speak into their lives and to serve them. And to love them so that they might hear us tell them about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Lord God, the strength of your church is not the staff, is not the people of the church, but the strength of your church is the Holy Spirit of God at work. And we offer ourselves to you now. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me?